We're about to light up season three of Drifter's Sympathy on Feral Audio. Episode one is called Dawn of Individuation, which rolls the clock back to right when you decide who you want to be and the kinds of early decisions that, for better or worse, completely mold the rest of the shape of your life. Episode two is going to be called Loner Legends, sort of an attempt to define who the underdog really is and their role in history and culture and art. Season three drops on October 23rd. This is Emil Amos. Check out Drifter Sympathy on feralaudio.com. PRA, Public Radio America. Good news, we're here. This week on You're Welcome, a major search engine purchased the Bay Area. We'll have the CEO and future mayor in the studio to tell us his thoughts. Chartreuse Beljar investigates a new rising trend in the American workplace regarding male workers. But rising trend is not meant as some kind of crass phallic innuendo. So please don't write us any offended tweets. Those really ruin our day. And BBC affiliate Austin Bronte skypes in with news from overseas. The next royal wedding is already approaching. Why do people insist on distracting themselves with the excessive events of the elite? And what will those elite be wearing? All this and more, today on... You're Welcome. Welcome to You're Welcome. I'm Stefan-Straitman, and I don't even own a TV. This week's top story, it used to be people would move to San Francisco without a plan, drawn to the city's rich culture of art, rebellion, and innovation. They'd get a job as a barista, or a server, or a bartender slash mixologist, or a bartender slash mixologist at a second bar, or a nightclub promoter. And if they worked all five of those jobs in a week, they could afford a studio apartment in the Mission. But today, so many are moving to the city for jobs in and around the tech industry that it has grown to influence and encompass the entire Bay Area, including San Francisco, Oakland, Berkeley, and the Bay itself, branding startup web addresses into the sides of screaming humpback whales. Residents have long complained about the tech industry's increasing prevalence, complaining of the city's culture waning and rent increasing to the cost of roughly one new smartphone a day. But this week... Those complaints come to an end, abruptly, as San Francisco has been officially purchased from the state of California and its residents given a 30-day eviction notice. The buyer? The world's most powerful and profitable search engine. Nigh synonymous with web searches for years now. We're talking, of course, about Ask Jeeves. Ask Jeeves has announced official plans to turn the entire city into an employee break room, turning the thousands of apartments and homes into designated nap zones, and the wharf into the world's largest seafood vending machine. The buyout has sent the city into turmoil. True to its reputation for activism, many citizens have been staging sit-ins, which generally amounts to just staying in their apartments for days at a time, or in the case of the hippies in Golden Gate Park, just remaining where they are and not really doing anything else. This has proven ineffective, as most assume they're doing that to avoid losing their parking spaces, though Friskins confirm it's proven an effective way to catch up on the second season of Orange is the New Black, and it's, quote, pretty good. 
Others have been struck by tragedy, jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge, or the Ask Jeeves Bridge, as it's now known, or the What is the Meaning of Life Bridge, named after the number one most unanswerable Ask Jeeves question. These desperate souls are pushed to suicidal despondency at the very thought of being forced to move to Los Angeles. We here at Your Welcome reached out to Ask Jeeves for an interview with the CEO, and after typing the phrase, How do we contact your CEO? into their search bar, we were able to land an exclusive with the CEO himself. It was shockingly easy to find that information. We got his home phone number and everything. Granted, we were contacted back via our personal cell phones, which felt like a bit of an intrusion, but it's a small trade-off for the convenience of readily available information, you have to agree. So now, here live in the Your Welcome studio is Ask Jeeves' CEO and founder, Jeeves. Hello, Jeeves. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you for having me, sir. Cup of tea? Cup of tea. No, no, thank you. I only drink room temperature water, and I generally find tea to be a symbol of imperialism. Very good, sir. Uh, fluff your seat cushions, then. Uh, well, this is an office chair, so there really aren't any... Okay, okay, yeah, you're, you're really just going for it, aren't you? <laughs> Big pardon, sir. Mm. I was a career butler before this, and well, old habits die hard, you know. I do know, yes. That's why I still smoke from a hand-whittled wooden tobacco pipe. So, Mr. Jeeves, that's as good an introduction as any to your background. Before making billions in the burgeoning search engine industry, you worked for a billionaire as his personal butler. Where did your fortunes change for you? <clears throat> uh, you're gesturing towards the laptop. Uh, do you? Are you asking me to type the question into your search engine? Uh, it's good for business, sir. You understand. Don't make money answering questions analog, you see. Makes sense. Okay, um, how did you become a search engine mogul? Very good, sir. You see, I was the butler to a billionaire Silicon Valley tycoon for many, many years. Now, I was his confidant, his right-hand man, his poor boy. Mm. You name it. I see. And you learned the industry inside and out as his personal assistant. Well... He left it to me, sir, you see. He willed it to you. Oh, the whole thing, sir. The entire thing. And how old was he when he died? Well, he's quite old for the tech industry, sir. About 22. 22. Ooh. Oh, well, that's no real tragedy then. His life was basically over. How did he die? Well, he accidentally fell down several flights of stairs. Several? Multiple, sir. Interesting. There are very steep hills in San Francisco, yes, sir. So, after your billionaire employer accidentally fell down a series of multiple stairs, you received the inheritance? Well, eventually, sir. I was last in line for the inheritance. I see. Behind family members or... Family, friends, some other butlers. Really? Well, there are a lot of stairs in San Francisco, sir. I can only imagine. Okay, so, oh, right after the unlikely and strangely convenient trend of this billionaire's next of kin falling downstairs, you ascended to the mantle, and it was clearly a massive financial success. Now, what do you think are the socioeconomic ramifications of buying an entire city and evicting its tax-paying citizens? Fluff that cushion for you again, sir. Sure, thanks, Jeeves. Appreciate that. 
Very thoughtful. So, what consequences do you foresee? Draw you a bath, sir. Draw me uh, in the in the studio. Well, not necessarily. We can go back to your house. Jeeves, that's very forward of you. <laughs> you can't run a Fortune five hundred company without a little cheekiness, sir. Well, <laughs> beg pardon. Now, how many stairs do you have at your house? That is a intriguing and terrifying question, but I will ask the questions if you don't mind. Well, as long as you don't mind using the search bar there, sir. Oh, right. Okay, forgot. So, next question, I'll type it in as I go here. If you're the mayor, who is the treasurer going to be and the fire marshal, uh, the police commissioner? Oh, well, we'll have interns for all that, sir. Oh. See, they'll get college credit for holding office for 10 years. Getting rid of all those pesky salaries. More money for the vending machines. Brilliant. Now, one final question for you, Jeeves. What's next for your company? Can we expect any other mergers and acquisitions of major American cities? Well, I wouldn't want to spoil the surprise, sir, but let's just say, if you live in Portland, we're always accepting applications for internships. Otherwise, I wouldn't re-up on your lease. Jeeves, thank you for joining us. And for sparing us our city and our lives, at least for the time being. Pleasure, sir. See you soon. What does that mean? Ta-ta. Okay. Chilling and informative. That was Ask Jeeves founder, CEO, mayor, and despot, Jeeves. Just Jeeves, like Cher or Buddha. Now, PRA and Your Welcome World News are brought to you today by Succulent Plants. If you want your office to have some exotic natural life, but don't want to think about another life other than your own, even a photosynthetic one that could survive a nuclear holocaust, let alone you and your fumbling attempts at gardening, bring in a succulent plant. Show your coworkers that their neighboring cubicles could stand to resemble the nourishing, natural quality of a desert. Succulent plants. Everyone suddenly has one. And by... Semicolons, the punctuation mark that begs for your attention. Desperate, sad, semicolons, the child actors of punctuation marks. Now, joining us now, as always, is field reporter Chartreuse Beljar. Hello, Chartreuse. Hi, hi. Hello. How are you doing on this beautiful day? Oh, gorgeous. Gorgeous. I'm doing gorgeous. It is beyond gorgeous. This is easily one of the best days of my life. Mm. Now, what do you make of all of this Bay Area purchase business? Uh, your thoughts, yeah. uh, such as they are? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, uh, you know, I, I got to say that if I weren't working at your welcome, that uh, I'd certainly be searching for a job at Ask Jeeves. I mean... Mm-hmm. You are tempted to jump ship no. and land directly into the Bay, where it is very, let, very cold. Let me just say, I love my job. full of carnivorous sea lions. I just want to say that I don't want to... You know, right? Jeopardize my work here, but you know, if I oh were no, to nobody look wants for, that. Sure, sure, which sure, 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 the sure. only one person I can think of as an exception. Mm. What is it that you like about the Ask Jeeves proposition? I mean, do you just enjoy the idea of an entire city all to yourself? Pretty much, pretty much. Yeah, that does sound kind of great, doesn't it? It does, and I imagine that there's just a natural gym going on with all those hills, so it's you know, I could get. Some real calf workouts, you know. No need for a 24-hour fitness membership when you mm. work for Ask Jeeves and the entire city is your playground. And then just jump on 
trolleys or run the trolleys, really. That would, would you be, be fun. Would you be able to use the cables as monkey bars, or will they still have live electricity mm. running through them? Mm. I guess that's uh, for the interns to find out. That is an extraordinary idea. Make them mm. earn that college credit. Mm-hmm. I really, really, really want to hear this report that you oh, have sure, sure, sure. for us today. Recent studies have been showing that more men in the U.S. are taking paternity leave. In fact, because of the positive results on families, fathers, but most importantly, the workplace they've left behind, more companies are stepping up and expanding paid leave length and money-wise. Yeah, you know, it's uh, less fantasy football, less pranking, but uh, really it's actually been kind of nice. It's a much warmer environment, uh, balanced, it feels just like home. With balanced men-to-women ratios, or in increasing cases, female-heavy ratios, work environments are turning a corner. HR and sexual harassment complaints have decreased, less sick days have been taken, and a majority of employees aren't even taking their full vacation days. In fact, not only are more people working overtime, but they want to work overtime. Meanwhile, back at home, men are feeling optimistic and generally more happy. Sure, I'm cleaning up three times as many poopy diapers, but uh, it's better than feigning enthusiasm for Carl's email chains. I hate that guy. Chartreuse Belchar reporting from the American workplace. Mm. Chartreuse, who is Carl, and why is he such a horrible human being? Well, uh, I think he uh, he sends uh, those email chains where you have to respond in a certain amount of time, and then you also have to forward the email to about 15 different people, and, you know, honestly, that disturbs the workflow. Yes, it's certainly what many managers would refer to as stealing time. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. And this male-free utopia in the workplace, uh, what are some other unforeseen consequences or benefits to such a workplace? Certainly less testosterone just Mm -hmm. floating in Mm -hmm. the air, getting into people's pores. I think generally, uh, from what I've heard, that there's there's a little more like circling up and talking Mm -hmm. about, you know, Pros and cons, I think there's a lot of exchange of what everyone's feeling, how we can improve, and I think before, you know, that didn't, that might not have existed. And if it did, it involved a game. Having men around ruins the ability to be open and upfront about your emotions. That's exactly correct. And yet you seem to have no problem telling me that I am overdue for a shower. Well, it's disgusting. I can smell you from over here. I guess that's less of an emotional issue and it's more, more of a sheer factor, factual yeah. biological It's concern. an offense to my nose. You do realize that we are in the middle of a severe drought right now. I am aware. I am aware. Yes. But there's a thing called gray water, and um, that is water that you have used, but you can reuse it. In fact, I think you can take a bath about four or five times until you do need to dump that water, in which case then you can dump it out in your yard and... Uh, you know, water your succulents, which do need water. Do you recommend drinking this gray water, or is that considered toxic after four or five bathing cycles? I think after the third bath, you should not drink the water. What happens if you do? Well, um, I think you will produce a, a gray water. 
They should really put some kind of a Surgeon General's warning on this gray water that you're so thrilled to tell people. Sure, or you can listen to your welcome and be informed. Chartreuse Bell Jar, please stop leaving deodorant sticks on my desk. I get the hint, and I return to sender. Well, at least try the crystal. Chartreuse Bell Jar, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much, as always, for being informative and achingly judgmental. PRA and Your Welcome World News is brought to you today by a generous grant from the Virgil Ulam Foundation. Virgil Ulam Foundation working diligently towards the approaching and totally inevitable singularity and fostering open communication and diplomacy between humans and our nanorobotic superiors, who are, ironically, one one billionth our size. The Virgil Ulam Foundation. Flatter the nanobots, and maybe they'll spare us. Now, joining us via British Skype, which is like American Skype, but with an extra silent superfluous P, is BBC correspondent Austin Bronte bringing us news from overseas. Are you there, Austin? Good evening, Stephen. It's pronounced Stefan. Not over here, it's not. Tell me, exactly where are you right now? As ever, aboard the BBC News Yacht, drifting around the British Isles... Where there's news, there go we. We be the BBC. Well, let's set sail to the heart of our first story. What's been going on in your neck of the very English woods? I hear that the government over there might be taking a stand against substandard smut. That's right, Stephen. If there's one thing the world can agree on, it's that we have a basic human right to take our clothes off and bear our junk on the internet for the world to see. But the absence of any kind of quality control is too often an online turnoff. You could not be more right, Austin. It's a disgrace. Well, here in England, thank goodness we've decided to take a stand. This week, the government announced a task force operating with the specific remit of classifying every single last porn. All of it. All of the porn. All the porns. All of it. Wow. Well, that sounds like quite a commitment. There must be millions of pornographic images on the internet. In fact, Ask Jeeves' data suggests over 90% of all web searches involve childish euphemisms for bazongas and Admiral Winkies. There's demand for it, and no limit to the supply. Well, yes, Stephen. The 30-strong parliamentary committee have been hard at it for a week now, Uh. and have been given until the end of the year to make their recommendation. While they figure it out, the world has been politely requested to refrain from producing any more porn. Leading the group is Jeffrey Ambush, the recently appointed Minister for Smut. He has promised to remain personally involved in the viewing and evaluation of every single piece of pornographic content on the internet. A true national hero for our times. Ambush took the Minister for Smut position in April after his wife accidentally looked at his internet search history and recommended him, calling him, quote, overqualified for the position. A hero for our times, indeed. So what specifically will the committee be looking out for? As Minister for Smut, Ambush has a specific rating system in mind for properly evaluating and rating each pornographic work, including, but certainly not limited to, instances of blasphemy during orgasmic climax, which has been broken down into real and faked climaxes, with blasphemy uttered during false climax deemed less obscene than blasphemy during actual bodily release. 
And what word on the literally gallons of amateur porn that is literally flooded the internet since its inception? The committee is thought to be frowning upon it, but Ambush has promised what he calls a culture of inclusion, provided lighting and stabilization issues are up to scratch. And what about the uh, talent, so-called? I'm making air quotes. I don't know if you're seeing that over British Skype. But in America, this means I don't really mean what I'm saying. So I say talent. With air quotes, I mean they're not that talented. Um, Not if you understand my American sense of humor. Okay, you're nodding, so I'm going to continue. Are they finding it hard? Uh, I mean, you know, hard... Not in the sense of, like, England's most prolific Uh, pornographic performers are understandably perturbed by this persistent assessment. London's premier pornographic thespian, Spotty Richard, told the London-based Daily Flump, We're getting enormous performance anxiety over our artistic expression being presided over by a bunch of bureaucrats. Willie Shakespeare didn't have to put up with this kind of constant surveillance. And I'm talking, of course, about famous 1970s porn star Willie Shakespeare, not the dead playwright. We certainly wish them well on their endeavor. That said, I'd certainly like to see the U.S. government try and impose a quality filter on American porn. You'll have to prize my right to limitless, badly lit, and poorly framed sex flicks from my cold, dead hands. What else have you got for us, Austin? Well, Stephen, last year we had a royal birth. This year it's wedding bells. That's right, Prince George is engaged to be married. Thirteen months old and third in line to the throne, the baby prince will be toddling his way up the aisle later this year. Stunning. And who is the lucky bride-to-be? 42-year-old divorcee Countess of Wessexchester. Are you serious? That's right. Divorced not once, but twice. I think the real issue here might not be that she is divorced. Uh, Were eyebrows not raised, proverbially speaking, at the considerable issue of consent raised when it's reported that an infant, the future king of England no less, and yet to utter his first word, is to marry someone roughly, if not mathematically, approximately 42 times his age. Well, actually, by royal standards, the age gap is relatively conservative. Medieval King Edward the Whisperer was only six weeks old when he became betrothed to Anne of Cheese. That marriage, of course, lasted only a day before Anne died of critical head loss. Ah, yes, a common uh, fatal symptom. So what do we know about the Countess? Not saying that she's a gold digger, but... Well, yes, no, she's clearly a gold digger. Well, the Countess of Wessexchester, a.k.a. Lady Spooner of Spoon, was originally wed to Sir Benjamin Hateful, heir to the Hateful Beach Ball Empire. He was dramatically written out of the will over a rift in the family brought about by a particularly dramatic game of Russian charades, a high-stake version of charades in which one participant will necessarily die. Bad acting, bad luck. Great game. Uh, Following the separation, the Countess was betrothed to Lady Benjamin Hateful, no relation, as it were, uh, a humble billionaire S who died suddenly during a game of Russian charades, a high-stake version of Russian roulette in which one participant will necessarily perform a mime. Fascinating. 
Yes. And his entire fortune was left to his son, Lord Benjamin Hatford, again, no relation, who presided over the Countess's posthumous divorce to his father via text message. This left the Countess penniless and in search of an appallingly entitled infant husband. Well, it certainly seems that her search is at an end with young Prince George. I certainly cannot imagine a more entitled infant. Although I suppose if we're talking about entitlement, most infants certainly fit that bill. What with the constant demands for attention, milk, bottled or otherwise, food, shelter, clothing, I could go on and on. Really, what is an infant but just a slightly less articulate member of a worldwide royalty? Do you agree? Indubitably, Stephen. That is a very English response, and I think it means you don't agree with me. Indubitably. Austin, um, can you explain just a little bit further? I mean, how is this going to work, logistically speaking, between the 42-year-old woman and a one-year-old child? Yes, I'll stop you right there. It's a glorious day for England, Stephen. I don't doubt that at all. It's definitely an God interesting... save the tiny prince. He's definitely tiny to a fault. I mean, is there anything that can be done to ensure the safety of this child? And well, speaking of safety, God save the tiny, tiny prince with a poo in his pants. We are just about to release a royal brand of diaper. A brand of royal diaper. That sounds useful and like there will be a nonstop demand for it across the country. Uh, out of curiosity, what is that called again? They're calling it the Prince and the Popper Stopper. Disgusting and informative. As always, thank you for the report, Austin, and we will have to take your word for it. Thank you very much, Stephen. Looking forward to seeing you when you come to Los Angeles. Oh, I've been already. I hate you. That wraps it up for Your Welcome World News this week. But first, being right all the time can be so difficult that sometimes mistakes are made. So here are last week's retractions. New Orleans is popularly known as the Big Easy, not the Easy Apple. The current elected pope does not share a birthday with Eric Clapton, nor does he share any birthday parties with Eric Clapton. The Oats in Holland Oats refers to musician John Oates, not award-winning novelist Joyce Carol Oates. And finally, the native language of Jordan is Farsi, not Jordalish. A quick update on the ongoing Public Radio America fundraiser. We're up to 1.1% of our goal. Donors who give $5 receive a beer koozie that only works for local microbrews. At the $10 level, Chartreuse Bell Jar will tell you why the way you're living your life is wrong and stupid. Thanks for listening, or at least having us on in the background while you drive. And special thanks as always to research assistants Eric Stoles, Madeline Wager, and Jeremy Simon, along with interns Levi Petrie and Tim Adewell, and in-studio water cooler changer Zane Grant. I'm Stefan-Straitman saying... We're right all the time, so you don't have to be. Thank you, and you're welcome. I can't believe how cold it is.
the United States government, it is the mission of the National Security Agency to assess and flag citizens of the country who may present a threat to its security. <laughs> the NSA has clearance to wiretap by any means necessary. Tapped. Incidental recordings of private conversations from the files of the NSA. Now on feralaudio.com.